Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's time to wake up. (laughs) It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show. And as you can assume, game four was on Friday night. And we have all morning to talk about that and to get you ready for game five tonight. Curry gets more for Curry. Fires. Heat check. Three confirmed. It's good for Curry. 23-18. And Curry says, hey, we are here to play. Poole, not afraid to fire. Missed it. Curry, offensive rebound. Spins for the layup. And he underhands it up and in. Screened by Peyton the second. Curry launches. Got fouled. He hits it anyway. And nails the three to tie the game. This guy is blistering hot right now. Curry fires away. The three ball's good. Top of the key with White making contact. It's a one-point game. The Warriors are not going away. All eyes on number 30. Bounce pass to Thompson. Fires away. Bang! Thompson top of the key with a three. The Warriors lead by one. Curry back cuts on White. Takes the jumper. Got it! Curry for three. Warriors have doubled their advantage. A 10-0 run of the Celtics one time with a minute 42 to go. And the Warriors win game four. They tie the series up 2-2. Two 107-97 two. was your final. Yet again, holding the Celtics to under 100 points. Just a fantastic game for the Warriors. And we're going to get into it. As far as Steph and where that ranks all time, because personally, I think that is his all-time greatest finals performance so far. So far. We still got at least two more games left in this thing. There's still a game five, still a game six, and the Warriors, it's essentially a 0-0 series now, as you got two of the next three, possibly, from Chase Center. Now, we got a lot to get into when it comes to Steph, because obviously his 43 points in his 40 minutes on the floor, 14 of 26 shooting, knocked down 7 of his 14 threes, shooting 50%. Of course, that is going to be the talk today, but I also want to talk about 
the other guys on this team and the way that they performed in this game. Now, Steph in the fourth quarter, he's had some struggles to start off these fourth quarters these past couple of games. Let's be honest, he has. And I'm not trying to just come out the gate, try to rip Steph for what he's done. But this last fourth quarter was really no different. He turned the ball over a couple of times, and the shot wasn't falling for him uh, early on. But it was the other guys in the fourth quarter, the Clay Thompsons, Andrew Wiggins, with two huge offensive rebounds. If you ask me, I mean... Steph's plays were fantastic, but if you ask me, those Andrew Wiggins offensive rebounds that ended up being putbacks, those were some of the biggest plays in the game because that is what kept the Warriors in it as far as what went on on offense. And the defense that the Warriors played, they held the Celtics to just 19 points. And what did we talk about here on the pregame show that we wanted to see from a Warriors and Celtics matchup. And we talked about it after the first two games at Chase Center and they were on to Boston to face them in Game 3. I wanted to see what the Celtics looked like in the fourth quarter when you are in clutch time. Now, what is clutch time? Clutch time is when there's five minutes left in the game and you are either up or down by five points or less. That's it. The deficit is either five points or fewer, and you have less than five minutes left in the game. That is what's considered clutch time. For reference, the Suns were the best team in the NBA when it came to clutch time stats throughout the regular season. When we were talking about the Suns, it was always clutch time, clutch time, clutch time, clutch time. And even though it did get repetitive and the national media sounded like a broken record when trying to talk about the Suns, there is something to the clutch time situations. And the Celtics have shown in the previous two series, along with the Bucks and along with the Heat, that when they get into clutch time, normally you'd call it crunch time. I'm having a tough time really, uh, uh, really uh, separating the two, <laughs> clutch time or crunch time. But when the Celtics get towards the end of the fourth quarter, we saw this in Game 6 against the Heat, and actually we saw this in Game 7 against the Heat. The Celtics tend to fold toward the end of the fourth quarter. They did it twice at the end of that Heat series. They did it once during that Bucks series. They didn't really do it so much against the Nets because the Nets just couldn't be competitive with them. But the Celtics have shown that they are prone to making mistakes. They are prone to turning the ball over. And that big stat that everybody was talking about. They only had three turnovers in the fourth quarter compared to the Warriors' five in this last game. But the big stat that everyone's talking about is that if you get the Celtics to turn the ball over more than 15 times in a single game, then you are most likely going to win. They had 15 turnovers in this one. Now, they are currently... 0-7, I believe, whenever they have 15 or more turnovers. When they have fewer than that, they're pretty damn good during the postseason. I forgot what their record is. It's something like like 13-2 or something. But that Celtics team in the fourth quarter, they just didn't know what to do. And you got to give credit to the Warriors' defense. The Warriors' defense was fantastic. You know, you, you can't you you can't look at that game and tell me that the defense didn't make a difference within the fourth quarter, stopping their other guys. 
Because that was the focus. And now that we've had that game one out the way where Marcus Smart and Derek White and Al Horford all went off in the fourth quarter simply because the Warriors did not feel feel like covering them whenever whenever they were shooting the three ball. Well, in the fourth quarter, the Celtics decided that they were going to primarily go to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown was just fine. He was 3 of 7, but he didn't knock down any of his three-pointers. He only had six points. Jason Tatum was 1 of 5. He only had three points. And then Marcus Smart only had four points on four shots, and he only knocked down one of them. Derek White had that big three in the fourth quarter, as Derek White tends to do. But the Warriors were just too much. They were just too much in the fourth. And Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney, not enough can be said about these guys. And I'm not talking specifically through the fourth quarter. I'm talking throughout the entire game. When it comes to Andrew Wiggins, it's not the points scored from him that I'm really looking at whenever I'm looking toward the end of the game and how he impacted it. You know, you Andrew Wiggins on any given night can get 15 to 20 points easily. Easily. He can just float into that. He knocks down a couple of threes. He stays aggressive on offense and tries to knock down layups. Maybe get a dunk here or there. Cuts to the basket. Stays active on offense off the ball. Andrew Wiggins is going to get his, especially when he's with Stephen Clay on the floor. But it's his rebounding that I've been really wanting to pay attention to. Ever since that series against the Grizzlies and seeing how pivotal it was for Andrew Wiggins, a guy who is a wing player, a wing player, which is something that is, it's, in, in, in the finals, sorry, I'm trying to get my words out here, it's early in the morning. In the finals, it's crucial that you have your wing players. You can, have, you can never have too many. And when it comes to Andrew Wiggins, it's his rebounding that you want, and it's his defense too. But his rebounding was out of this world in this one. 16 total rebounds, three of them on the offensive glass, and then Kevon Looney with four offensive rebounds on his own. Kevon Looney instantly made the difference uh, within this game. Now, when they started off this one, this was pretty interesting, a little wrinkle that they put in here. They wanted the starting five to be with Otto Porter Jr. So instead, what they did was they sacrificed rebounding for scoring. And unfortunately, when Otto Porter Jr. went for his two threes to start the game, he didn't knock them down. And the Celtics were, for lack of a better term, kicking the Warriors' ass on the glass to start out the game. So that decision had clearly backfired. And then Kevon Looney just came in like he was some sort of bat out of hell, just trying to rebound any ball that he possibly could. And then eventually, they start to level the score. But... Steph Curry is who got hot toward the end of the first quarter, and we'll get into all that uh, on the other side. But Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins, both of them combining for 27 rebounds, was crucial in this game. Not to mention the two putbacks that Andrew Wiggins had in the fourth quarter. Not to mention the putback that Kevon, Kevon Looney had at the end of the first half. He's just grabbing every offensive board. I said this earlier in the series or last series or whenever it was, but Kevon Looney has gotten the science of rebounding down to a T. He understands the angles. It's as if he knows where that missed shot is going to go if it ends up clanking. You know, these guys, they haven't looked tired so far. I'll give them that. They haven't missed a ton um, around the front of the rim. A lot of them have been clanking off the back iron. 
So Kevon Looney has been able to read these rebounds and somehow get to him before these other guys. He is, even though he's one of the smaller big men in the league, he's managing to act like the biggest of big men out there on the court in these finals. So he was fantastic. Clay Thompson obviously knocking down that huge three at the top of the key. You heard that one earlier, but really it was Steph Curry. It was Steph Curry. Well, I don't know whether it was the two separate instances where he made back-to-back threes, the one to start out the game, where you had not seen the one that... I'm talking about the one toward the end of the first quarter. He hits the first step back over Al Horford, just as usual, just Steph being Steph. And then on the following possession, he hits another step back. And this time, he went back to the crowd. He went to the Celtics bench. He was yelling, and I've, I have, I've seen Steph do that. You know, I'm not going to act like I've never seen Steph show emotion before. I've seen him show emotion before, but not after his second made three toward the end of the first quarter. Something inside him had to have been just waiting to explode, waiting to just erupt. I don't know whether it was. I, I don't know whether it was the. All the talk around Boston and their fans. I don't know if it's the finals MVP stuff. I'm sure Steph sees that. I'm sure he tries to avoid it as much as he can. But it's damn near impossible to not see all the chatter around that. I mean, if you turn on ESPN, it's going to be talking about Steph finals MVP or Kevin Durant. Talking about everything that doesn't have to do with the series. I don't know what that was, but I'd never seen him show that much emotion in a first quarter. In a first quarter, when you've got over two minutes left in the first quarter. I've never seen that on a second made three, and it was sick. But I don't know whether it was that one. I don't know whether it was the two straight threes that he had. The one where he just bypasses Derek White. Derek White kind of grazes him when he's going up for three, and he wants the foul call but didn't get it. Or the next one where he gets the screen, blows by Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum catches him from behind, clearly doesn't push him to the ground, but he nudges him over. Should have been a four-point play, but instead it wasn't. And that's what and that was the one to tie the game, by the way. And that's what really set things off for Steph. Or that big three that he made toward the end of the game off the Draymond assist. Uh the little floater that he had where he knocked over Marcus Smart and Robert Williams was covering him one on one, but Robert Williams ended up getting hurt with five minutes left and getting hobbled and as soon as Steph was one on one with them, he couldn't keep up. I don't know which was my favorite Steph shot, but I do believe it was his all-time great performance in the finals. 888-957-9570. That's the Xfinity mobile text line and the phone number if you'd like to weigh in. Do you feel that that was Steph Curry's greatest performance in the finals so far? 888-957-9570. Because just to say, oh yeah, it's going to be the greatest and nothing is ever going to top that, you never know what could happen within these next two or three games depending on how the series goes. But to me... This was the greatest Steph Curry's finals performance of all time, and I'll explain why on the other side. But please feel free to weigh in. 888-957-9570. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Dub Nation, this is Gary Payton II, and you are listening to the pregame show with Steve Langford on 95.7 The Game. Shout out to GP2 and, of course, the rest of the Golden State Warriors as they even the series up at 2-2, beating Boston in Boston in a crucial Game four, one one oh seven and ninety seven. It could have been easily. It could have easily been a situation where we're coming in here and we are moping. Genuinely, this could have been a. This could have been a show where you're talking about. You're not even worried about the series anymore. You're focused on the future of the Warriors. Who knows who you're blaming if the Warriors would have lost? You know, there could have been a lot of different talking points if the Warriors had lost. And I don't think the talk would be about the series anymore. It'd probably be about the team overall. That'd be my guess. But we are talking about a series that's tied 2-2. The Warriors win by 10, and all is right in the world. Good morning, everyone. Hope you had a terrific weekend. And I want to know from you at 888 at the Xfinity Mobile Text Line. Broke down the game a little bit. Talked about Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney. Clay Thompson's big shot there in the fourth quarter and what the Warriors have been doing against the Celtics in clutch time, because we have not seen that yet. Um, but I want to know from you, do you feel like that was Steph Curry's greatest NBA Finals performance ever? Because I personally believe that it was. Now, Curry, uh, of course, is going to be Steph Curry, and he essentially just says, "Look, I don't." He's like, "I don't, I don't rank my, I don't rank my performances. I just win." But Clay Thompson, his teammate, someone who knows him better than anyone, he certainly ranks it right up there. Probably number one. I mean, this was nearly a must-win game, and to go out there and shoot as efficiently as he did, and oh, and grab ten rebounds, and and they're attacking him on defense. I mean, his conditioning is second to none in this league. So we are, Steph played incredible. He's right there. And then Steph, after the game, said that, look, I don't rank my performances. We rely on Draymond bringing that energy and fire, you know, throughout the course of the season, year after year. Felt like we just had to let everybody know that we were here tonight. You know, whether that's their crowd, their team, our team, whoever wants to see that energy and that, that fire, we feed off of that. You know, I think it helped us kind of just get settled into the game because obviously our experience, you can want it so bad, you kind of get in your own way a little bit and everybody feels a little bit of pressure and it can go the opposite way. I wanted to try to leverage that to, you know in a positive direction for us to start the game i don't rank my performances though just win the game that's so cold that's so cold now you can look at any of the great finals performances that he's ever had 
right? You go down the list. It's not like this is the first time that he scored over 40 points in a uh, in a finals game. He certainly scored 47 in game three against Toronto, and that's when they were deploying the box in one defense on him. That was when that was when old not Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse gets all the credit, the head coach. It was old Nate Bjorkren, who I believe went on to be the head coach of the Indiana Pacers and then got let go during the middle of the season because the Pacers couldn't find their footing and then subsequently would trade away all their players to the Kings. But Nate Bjorkman was running a box in one, and he still scored 47. So you can look at that one, the fact that it was without Clay and without KD. That was back in 2019 of Game 3. In 2015, he had 37 in Game 5, where he scored 17 in the fourth quarter, going toe-to-toe with LeBron James. In 2016, in Game 4, he had 38 points, 24 of which he scored in the second half and put the Warriors up 3-1. You can look at any finals performance that you want to, but to me, any series, you're talking about the Cavs or the Raptors, any final series that the Warriors have been in, I just think that when you look at where the Warriors are at right now, the fact that Steph is 34, if you look at the past finals performances, it feels like at that time, it feels like those performances were just molding Steph into one of the greatest that we've ever seen. He was still being molded into it. But with the fact that he's now 34 years old, you're with the second iteration of this Warriors team. You know, you're not playing with the same Draymond Green anymore. And we'll talk about Draymond Green uh, in the uh, on the other side of the uh, of the break. I don't want to, I want to focus on Steph here, but of course we're going to talk about Draymond. Klay Thompson is not the same Klay Thompson, although he really picked things up in the fourth quarter and gave you shades of old Klay, especially on defense, and then knocking that uh, that three down at the top of the key. You got Andrew Wiggins, who he'd never played with before. You got your center position, which is just all, it's all, you know, it's all muffled right now. No one really knows what's going on at center. They started Otto Porter Jr., didn't work, so you bring in Kavon Looney. We'll use Kavon Looney in this example, where Kavon Looney's your primary center. You know, and you got GP2 as really your backup as a point guard. You got Jordan Poole as your real sixth man. You're going out there with a eight, nine-man rotation, depending on how the matchups work out and what Steve Kerr's feeling. But the fact that Steph scored 43 points on 26 shots, knocked down seven threes, added 10 rebounds, two of them on the offensive glass, and that one that he had where he where he grabbed the offensive rebound and then he split both the defenders as soon as he got it, because we're just so used to seeing Kavad Looney grab offensive rebounders, where or grab offensive rebounds, where he's just overpowering guys like Derek White and then just kicking it out to whoever's on the three point line. You kind of forget. Oh yeah, if you have an offensive rebound, you have a direct link to the basket. You could go right there. And Steph just puts that little spin move on him. It's like a. It's like a. Well, damn. What do you, what do you call them? I guess I'll just call it a, a ballet performer. It was like a ballet when Steph made that uh, made that layup off the offensive glass. But in this crucial game four, when you could go down three one in the series and possibly take this, just put this series out of reach. The Celtics had the opportunity to do that. The fact that Steph 
is the one who kept them in the game consistently as he had his minutes on the floor. Just every single quarter was huge for him. I mean, it's hard for me to rank any of the other performances in the finals against this one. You could possibly look at those other those other ones and maybe say the degree of difficulty was on his shot was tougher. You could say that the boxing one defense that the Raptors had against him, the fact that he scored 47 over that, he's never going to be able to top that. But in my opinion, when we're talking about the greatest finals performance of Steph Curry's career, I think you got to add all that extra weight to it. Everything that was riding on this one game. Because we'd like to think that the Warriors can get back here to the finals. We'd love to think that. But Captain Obvious here, we just don't know. We just don't know whether the Warriors are going to get back to the finals or not. So they have this one opportunity here to possibly win another championship. And this one game, it was riding on this one game, and Steph was able to have a performance like he had in that one. I mean, it's hard for me to say that anything can top that. Just understanding how big of a situation this was. How important it was that Steph went off. Because... Let's face it, the other guys on this team are underperforming at least throughout the entire game. Jordan Poole was fantastic, by the way. I haven't even mentioned Jordan Poole. He was the number 2 scorer in this one. He had 14 points in total on 13 shots. I thought he was fantastic. Um, off the bench, I thought he I thought the non-Steph minutes, they didn't get hurt nearly as bad as they have in these previous games in this series. But Steph was the one who was constantly knocking down the big shots when they needed it. How about that three, by the way? My favorite part about that game four was that the team understood this was a Steph game. This isn't, look, I'm going to turn a great good shot into a great shot. We're going to swing it around and I'm going to take that open three. It was, oh, I might have a great shot, but does Steph have a good shot? Does Steph have one where they might contest it, but he's got some space? Because it was, let's get the ball to Steph. It was, let's get the ball to Steph, and let's get out the way. And I look primarily at that three at the end of the third quarter when there was just under a minute left. In GP2, Steph Curry's driving to the rim. GP2 is waiting in the corner. Steph Curry passes it cross court, gets a fantastic pass over to GP2. And GP2 has a wide open three in the corner, but he sees Steph trailing that pass. And instead of going up for the shot, it looks like he's going up for the shot. He doesn't pump fake, he just drops the ball to the ground. And then Steph Curry grabs it, knocks down that corner three. I believe it was to tie the game. Yeah, it was 79 79. Just awesome. Awesome, awesome performance. But I really do think that with all the weight that was riding on this, this was Steph's greatest finals performance. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not. I'm, it's, you know, you can be afraid of being a prisoner, a prisoner of the moment. That's totally fine. <laughs> That's totally fine. And you don't want to just immediately say, oh, yeah, that was his greatest NBA finals performance ever. But there's so much riding on this one, and he needed it. He needed it. Steph, uh, Steve Kerr talked about it after the game. He said this is the strongest that Steph has ever been. The physicality out there is um, pretty dramatic. I mean, uh, you know, Boston's got a obviously best defense in the league and powerful at every position. And, um, you know, for Steph to take that kind of pressure all game long and then still be able to defend at the other end when they're coming at him, it shows you. I think, it, I think this is the strongest physically that he's ever been in his career, and it's uh, allowing him to do what he's doing. 
Baxter Holmes for ESPN, who's a, who's a, I want to say he's a freelance writer, but he certainly uh, writes extensive pieces about stories within sports that you don't really think about. I believe he was the one. No, actually, never mind. I'm sorry about that. He, Baxter Holmes has written fantastic articles about like the Patriots. Um, I believe he was the one that talked about the tinderization of the NBA, where he first reported that all these guys are playing much better basketball because they don't have to go out to the clubs. All they have to do is go out on Tinder, you know, if they want to have a little celebration after the game, and they're single. So I think he was the one that wrote about that, and he wrote an extensive piece about this the strength training that goes into Steph and Steve Kerr said that he this is the strongest that Steph has ever been and Baxter Holmes in his piece went through multiple trainers all these guys who are saying Steph has never worked out like this before and they use Kyle Korver as a prime example who used to say that strength training if you add on weight if you add on muscle that's going to ruin your shot well I think Steph has just dispelled any of that but with Curry man I like that performance was all time i think people knew that too you know i'm kind of done on the radio saying that we need to appreciate what we have because i really think that people are now i think people like at the beginning of the season it was just you know appreciate what you're watching and you're kind you're constantly having to reiterate it because you're watching an all-time great in steph curry i don't think anybody needed reminding that you need to live in the moment right now and appreciate what you're watching. I don't think anyone I don't, I don't think anyone needed to be reminded of that. I think we were all living in the moment understanding that in game 4 we were watching an all-time performance take place. I think we understood that. Just one more. This was the 3 to me uh that that got things going for Steph and he talked about it after the game, but this was the 3. This was the second one that he made toward the end of the first quarter. The first 3 that he made, it came off the uh the GP2, just a little little strip, little love tap on Derek White when he was trying to drive to the to the to the baseline. I don't really know where Derek White was going with that ball, but GP2 stripped him, gave it to Steph and he knocks down that first three. And then in half court offense, Steph calls for the screen and then this happens. Round on the switch now. Screen by Wiggins. Curry gets Horford. Curry fires. He checked freak confirmed. It's good for Curry. And he went insane. I'd never seen Steph look like that to the crowd that early in a game. We've seen him do that before. We've seen him run on the other side of the court, scream at the fans, talk about how this is my house, talk about I'm here, I'm back. We've seen Steph do that on the road, but I haven't seen him do it that early in a game. And this is what Steph had to say, asked if he planned to bring the fire in this game and and why he was so emotional after that three. A lot of it is because of how hostile the environment was, the fans chanting, doing all their shenanigans and all that. Boston knowing how big of a game it is for them. If they get the win, they take you know control of the series. So it's all that mixed into the end, the experience, knowing how fickle momentum is in in the finals. We've been through it all, so try to rely on past experience to understand how important that was. You got Magic Johnson saying that he's already the finals MVP no matter who wins this series. <laughs> Magic Johnson, by the way, coming in with the hot takes. I think he tweeted out yesterday, and shout out to my man Joe Spadoni who works on Willard and Dibs as well as Steiny and Guru. I want to make sure I get both of them in because he works both shows. Spadoni 
quote tweeted Magic Johnson on Twitter yesterday who said Draymond Green is going to have a triple-double in Game (laughs) 5. So Draymond's going to have a triple-double. Steph Curry's already won the Finals MVP. No matter who wins. Wow. Magic Johnson, hot takes. He wants to be on first take. It's been a while since Magic's been on first take. He wants to go debate Stephen A. Smith. Although with the way that Stephen A. Smith has been on the Warriors, he'd probably agree with them. But speaking of Draymond Green, want to get into him getting benched in the fourth quarter. Steve Kerr, his response to it. Draymond and his response to it. Uh, Because I find the relationship between Draymond Green and Warriors fans, I find that to be fascinating to keep up with whenever something like that happens because even though Draymond did get benched he played some crucial minutes there in the fourth quarter and quite frankly they did need him and he brought the best version of himself because you hadn't seen it in game three I'm not, or game four I'm not saying you haven't seen it throughout really the finals I'm not saying that he didn't deserve to be benched but my goodness I do think that he bounced back in that game we'll get to all of that plus some mind-blowing stats I know you love stats. Some mind-blowing stats regarding Jason Tatum and just how poorly he's been playing, not only in these finals, but throughout these this postseason. Because Jason Tatum, I think by the time that Game 5 is over, he might break a certain record, and it's not, a, it's not one to be celebrated. We'll get to all that next. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. You know what? For the new audience just coming in, can't play enough highlights. Normally I'd like to play one highlight coming into this segment, but you know what? We have a highlight montage. Let's get into it. Game four, Friday night. This is what happened. Curry gets over. Curry fires. Heat check. Freak confirmed. It's good for Curry. 23-18. And Curry says, hey, we are here to play. Poole, not afraid to fire. Missed it. Curry, offensive rebound. Spins for the layup. And he underhands it up and in. Screen by Peyton the second. Curry launches. Got fouled. He hits it anyway. And nails the three to tie the game. This guy is blistering hot right now. Curry fires away. The three ball's good. Top of the key with White making contact. It's a one-point game. The Warriors are not going away. All eyes on number 30. Bounce pass to Thompson. Fires away. Bang! Thompson top of the key with a three. The Warriors lead by one. Curry back cuts on White. Takes the jumper. Got it! Curry for three. Warriors have doubled their advantage. A 10-0 run of the Celtics one time with a minute 42 to go. Back then in game one, I didn't think the Warriors would win. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But the series is tied 2-2. I couldn't believe it on Friday night. Look, if the NBA Finals weren't happening, yeah, I'd probably be talking about the giant sweep of the Dodgers, but in the grand scheme of things, it's the beginning of June, and, you know, it's fun that the Giants swept the Dodgers, but that series against the Rockies was still brutal, and they go on to face another worst team within their own league, and that is the Kansas City Royals. So we will uh, we'll talk about that, probably not for a little while, because of what the Warriors have been doing with the Celtics. Now... We talked about 
just the game in general, how big it was with Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins, them grabbing 27 rebounds in total. Andrew Wiggins with those two huge putbacks at the end of the game. Klay Thompson knocking down that three at the top of the key. Steph Curry keeping the Warriors afloat throughout the game. The last segment, I've declared, and it's just me, I've claimed that that is Steph's greatest finals performance of all time, and that's just because of the situation, the circumstances that surround the Warriors and the Celtics within this series, and that surrounds Steph Curry, too. So I'm taking all that into account. So if you want to go back and listen to that segment, please feel free on the Odyssey app. Check out the Rewind feature and go back and listen to that. But there's also one other aspect to this game that we haven't really talked about, and that was what went on with Steve Kerr and Draymond Green because Draymond quite frankly out of everyone on this team it lo- it felt like Draymond was the only one who really was playing poorly you know Otto Porter Jr did not uh, score like they wanted him to to start off the game they didn't they, they, he, he was over he was over to start. You, you wanted him to bring a little more from that um, in his eight minutes on the floor. But instead of sacrificing rebounding for scoring, it backfired on them, and the Celtics got up to a 12-6 lead early. But to me, the fourth quarter and the decision-making from Steve Kerr, I think he showed a new wrinkle in his game that a lot of people have been going at Steve Kerr for because Draymond was not having a good game. He was not. He has looked overwhelmed throughout this series. He really has. He was one for seven overall in this game. He had two points, but he did tack on eight assists. The one to, uh, to the one to Steph at the, in the fourth quarter was huge. And he had a couple of nice plays on defense. He had a strip of Robert Williams going up to the basket. He had a couple of nice plays, but he also got beat on defense too. And you don't want uh, you don't want Draymond to ever get beat on defense. But Steve Kerr decided to do a little offense defense with him. And really, what that means is in the fourth quarter, when it was in crunch time, and the Warriors were down and they needed some scoring because they tied it up. 86 to 86. And then eventually the Celtics went up 90 to 86 as Marcus Smart entered the game for Peyton Pritchard and Nemanja Bialica was in there along with Draymond Green. When they were up 80, 90 to 86, Golden State called a timeout with 7:32 left and in comes Kevon Looney as well as Andrew Wiggins for Nemanja Bialica and Draymond Green. Now, Draymond Green would go in and out of this game depending on the situation because the Celtics continued to gain a lead. Eventually, they made it 91-86, to and then Clay makes a huge jumper to make it 91-88, to and then eventually it would get to 94-90, to then 94-92, to and then Steph... Or excuse me, Clay would make that three-pointer at the top of the key to make it 95 to 94, and then Steph would make that little floater to make it 97 to 94. And throughout this time, Draymond was sitting on the bench. And in that time, there was about three minutes that passed within the game. So you're at the timeout, and you got just under four minutes left as the Warriors have a 95 to 94 lead 
And then eventually Seth makes it 97-94. to So you need some defense. Draymond then enters for Jordan Poole. They get a stop. Golden State calls a timeout. Then Jordan Poole comes in for Draymond. Steph misses a jumper. Kevon Looney gets a loose. Uh, Looney gets a loose ball foul, and then still ninety-seven to ninety-four. Draymond Green comes back in with three minutes left for Jordan Poole. Marcus Smart misses a three-pointer. Jalen Brown gets the offensive rebound. Then Marcus Smart misses a three-pointer again. And then Andrew Wiggins gets the defensive rebound, and eventually there would be a jump ball between Marcus Smart and Kevon Looney. And then Steph would make that three-pointer as Draymond is in to make it 100-94. to So they were going back and forth, offense-defense, depending on the situation. And Steve Kerr talked about it after the game and talked about why he subbed out Draymond. Yeah, so we took him out and put Loon in, I think, around the eight-minute mark, maybe, 740, which was our plan anyway. But Loon was playing so well, and Jordan Poole was playing so well, so we just stayed with the group. We generally do that. I mean, like most uh, coaches, if you've got a group that's that's going well, you just stay with it. And then you know, the last few minutes, we just went to kind of an offense-defense pattern with uh, Draymond and, and Jordan alternating. And and I think that for, for Draymond... He showed out at the end of that fourth quarter. And Tim Kawakami was all over this um, because he was at the game. And he was talking about how Draymond was screaming and yelling once he got put on the bench to uh, to begin that run in the fourth quarter with just under eight minutes left. So Tim Kawakami was constantly going on about that, how Draymond is screaming and yelling and, you know, painting a bad picture, in my opinion. But that's just the fire that Draymond brings. I wouldn't expect anything less. You know, we all want our athletes just to just to be okay with every decision. It's okay to have a reaction to a decision, but it depends on how you respond to that decision. And to me, this was a test. This was a test for Steve Kerr. This was a test for Draymond Green. And if you ask me, the way that he handled... The offense-defense substitutions between him and Jordan Poole, I think he passed that test. Has he been performing well in this series? No. No, he hasn't. Do you feel like he could be a liability on the offensive end? Certainly. But this is also a very bad matchup for Draymond. We don't we don't talk about that. <laughs> we, we never say that for Draymond. That's what I find fascinating about this relationship between Warriors fans and Draymond. Whenever, when anyone else is off, it's just, oh, it's a bad matchup for him. When anyone else is it was having a poor scoring night, just a bad matchup for him, he'll bounce back. It's never like that with Draymond. It's Draymond stinks. You need to bench him for the rest of the series. Don't play the guy. It's never, hey, this is a bad matchup for him, which it is. Because Draymond, where you maximize Draymond and what he can do on the offensive end as far as creating chances, when it comes to the matchup, the Celtics have turned Draymond from a point forward to an actual power forward. Point forward meaning, of course, he's going to be listed as the power forward going into the game as the starter, but really he's running point and letting Steph and Clay all run on off-ball screens, Jordan Poole whenever he's on the court. But what the Celtics have done with the type of defense that they deploy with all the switches and how clean they are, the clean the, the, the defensive rotations on the Celtics are cleaner than any other series that they've played so far. 
In the other series, you'd get off-ball movement and you'd get guys bumping into each other all confused on where to go. The Celtics, they're not like that. The Celtics understand how to rotate. They have good communication among their defense. You can't just move off-ball against them and expect that that's what's going to get it done. But that's where you maximize Draymond. Sitting at the top of the key or whether it's at the elbow, using that split action, whatever it is. And they've turned him from a point forward to a power forward. And I think Draymond is really struggling to make that transition into being that full-time power forward. Now again, he had that big assist to Curry, so that was huge in the fourth. He played good defense. But this is the first time that we've seen Steve Kerr do anything like this with, with Draymond Green. Anything like this. Which is just pretty crazy. Crazy to think about. And Draymond talked about this after the game. Look, he says he doesn't care about getting benched so long as they win. You could throw whoever out there. As long as we win, I really don't care. The whole notion of like, oh, man, you have to check in with certain guys if you're going to take them out the game. If you know, if you think it's better for the team, I think that's ridiculous. I watch teams every year in the playoffs not sub guys that they know they should sub, and they lose. And this is an interesting one here uh, from Draymond. He said that the bench guys kept them motivated. You know, when you're trying to win a championship, this is where everything matters and everyone matters. I credit Juan Toscano Anderson. He was in my ear. Not only was he in my ear the whole night, but when I was frustrated, when I came out the game at the seven and a half minute mark, he was in my ear. Chris Chioza was in my ear. Gary Payton was in my ear. And it was huge because I was able to respond due to their positive energy that they were pouring into me. I was able to respond and come up with a few big plays, a couple of assists, a couple offensive rebounds, a couple stops. And so, credit to those guys. Everyone has an impact. It was huge of them to keep my mind in the game, and they kept my mind there, and I was able to contribute in a way that could help us win. So, big shouts out to those guys. Uh, That was absolutely amazing. That's pretty cool. JTA, by the way, did anyone see JTA in the little moment that he had? You know one of those things that you uh, where you're watching the game and you notice something off camera when there's no play going on and you're watching the TV very closely and you see something that and, and that you that's kind of off center and you feel like that's going to get posted to social media. That's the moment that I personally had when JTA ended up getting uh, 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 getting left out of a high five from Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson went to the bench. I believe this was right before the fourth quarter. And JTA sitting along the baseline. He's crisscross applesauce. Still call it that. But he's sitting there at the end of the baseline. Holds out his hand for Clay Thompson, hoping to get a high five. Then Clay Thompson doesn't even see him. So he gives himself a high five. Pop! But I love that from, J- from, from JTA. But I don't care about the podcast that Draymond does. I don't care about any of that. As long as he performs on the court when his name's called upon, that's all that matters to me. And Draymond got 32 minutes in this game, 33 minutes. Now, what do the Warriors do in this next game? I don't know if it's, you know, have him come off the bench. I don't know if it's have them do what they did in the fourth quarter. I really don't know what the answer is to Draymond. And whatever we think, if we think, oh, he only needs to be getting 25 minutes on the floor. Look, I understand all that. But to me, this team is not that deep to where it's just the solution is, you know what, you got to bench him because he's a liability. Yeah, like, I love, I love this team. Trust me. Jordan Poole is fantastic. GP2 is awesome. But other than that, you're going to have Bielitsa and Kavon Looney, who's been Kavon Looney's been fantastic too. Don't get me wrong on that. 
But if Kevon Looney's on the floor and Draymond's on the floor at the same time, that's not really advantageous. But other than that, just the answer to say, oh, yeah, you need to have Draymond just not play, I disagree with that. But if the fourth quarter calls for it like it did, I think that's what you need to do with Draymond. Now, I don't know what his minutes are going to look like, but I do know this. Andrew Wiggins, in his 43 minutes that he had in this game, 17 points on 17 shots with 16 rebounds, he needs to be in this game as much as possible. He's just as valuable as any of these other guys because of the position he plays and because of the guys that he's guarding. Now, I tease this. Teased us during the break. These crazy stats involving Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum in this game was 8 of 23, had 23 points in his 42 minutes on the floor, and he was 1 of 5 in the fourth quarter. 1 of 5. Now, I'm going to set up this stat for Jason Tatum simply by reading off some of these for Steph Curry. And really, I'm just reading down a list, but nobody does stats better than StatMuse. They make it in such a way, StatMuse that is, on Twitter, that is just easily digestible and makes you and really puts things into perspective. So I'm going to start off with some Steph stats, and then I will pave the way there for Jason Tatum because there's, there is a correlation. But starting with Steph here. The shooting efficiency on tightly contested shots versus this Celtics defense. Kevin Durant, 43%. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 47%. Jimmy Butler, 51%. That's the shooting efficiency on tightly contested shots versus this Celtics defense. 43, 47, 51 for three of the respective guys in each of the past series. Steph is shooting 86% on tightly contested shots against the Celtics defense. Doubling what KD and Giannis did against the Celtics defense when the shots are tightly contested. There are five players who have taken the most very tightly contested shots overall. Steph Curry is shooting 52. Everyone else is shooting under 40, which is just insane against the Celtics defense. Continuing on. Finals games with five plus threes. Ray Allen, in his career, has three of them. Steph Curry, just this season, has four. (laughs) Four games, five plus threes. And here's the one. Here's the one that I want to compare it to with with Jason Tatum. Steph Curry is averaging 34 points a game in these finals. Tatum's field goal percentage is 34%. 34 percent his field goal percentage is lower than the average points per game that Steph is scoring in these finals that is insane but speaking of Jason Tatum shooting 34.1 percent of the finals that's the lowest by any player with 20 plus attempts per game in a final series ever now in this series or in this game rather in this last game he had A total of six turnovers. Six for Jason Tatum. And when you look overall in the postseason, this is going to be the most turnovers in total by any player in a postseason since the stat has been tracked in 1978. LeBron right now leads all players 
the most turnovers in a single postseason. He's turned the ball over 97 times in total in a postseason. That was in the 2016-2017 year. Excuse me, 2017-2018. 97 total turnovers. Jason Tatum in the postseason has 94. So there's a very real chance that you tie that record tonight. And a large chunk of that is due to the defense that is being played on him. Andrew Wiggins has been his primary defender. And with Jason Tatum, you can only hope to contain him. You're not really going to stop him because he's just so talented, so skilled, so big, so lengthy. All of that. He could score over anybody. But Andrew Wiggins has taken him the full 94 feet on the court. He's taken him a full court all game. He has been fantastic on Jason Tatum. And he's also been switching. He's been playing real good defense and getting rebounds. So this is all to say that I don't know what Draymond's minutes are going to look like. But I do know that if you're going to give 40-plus minutes to anybody on the court, it needs to be Steph and it needs to be Wiggins. Now, Steph, by the way, was doing this on a hurt foot. Sure didn't look hurt. hurt. Should be good to go uh, tonight. We're waiting to see what happens with Robert Williams. They're saying Robert Williams should be okay. Took himself out of Game 4. He got hurt with five minutes left. He's questionable. He's been day-to-day every single game, but he should be good to go. We got the Warriors and the Celtics tonight in Game 5. And the way I look at it is, if the Warriors don't blow them out, at least keep it competitive going into the fourth quarter. Because when it's clutch time and there is... Less than five minutes left, and the point deficit is within five points. The Celtics tend to crumble, and they tend to overthink and rush their shots, which is exactly what happened in Game 4. So if the Warriors don't blow them out, at least keep it competitive, and I'm feeling good that the Warriors can go up 3-2 in this series as the series has come back to Chase Center. This is just this is just crazy. I couldn't believe that series, that they tied it 2-2, but you can't get enough of Steph Curry his all-time greatest NBA Finals performance so far. So far, because we've got at least two, possibly three games left in this series for Steph to put on another all-time Finals performance. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks so much, everyone, for texting. Thanks so much for to the one person who called to Mitch in New Jersey, who I forgot to get to. I'm sorry, Mitch. Got to get to the morning roast on the other side. But Bonte Hill, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky, they're coming up next, along with me and producer Sam Lubman, who are behind the glass up until 9 o'clock. And as always, enjoy Game 5. Go sports. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.